0: Now the Buckeye Extra podcast with Rob Aller, Bill Rabinowitz, and Joey Kaufman from the Columbus Dispatch. Hello, everybody! Thanks for joining us on another edition of the Buckeye Extra Football Podcast. This is Joey Kaufman. I'm joined by Rob Aller and Bill Rabinowitz. We're discussing Ohio State's 42-41 loss to Georgia in the Peach Bowl, the College Football Playoff semifinal on Saturday night, which ended their season. And for a while on New Year's Eve, it looked like Ohio State maybe headed to Southern California to play TCU in a a title game. But, alas, they they surrendered a a 14-point lead in the fourth quarter. And now we are all back in Columbus, and the Buckeyes season is over.
1: Yeah, it was an incredible game. I mean, obviously, we as writers have different perspectives than – than uh, fans, but it was it was a terrific game. I mean, Ohio State, especially on offense, well, really only on offense, played really, really well. I mean that that offense was close to unstoppable, even without really much of a run game, I and mean, they did nothing in the first half with you know against the with the run. And I thought it was smart for Ohio State to not press the issue too much because we know how good Georgia's run defense was. Like, okay, we know what we're best at; we're going to do it. Um, you know, who knows what would have happened if Marvin Harrison hadn't gotten knocked out of the game and if that hit on him hadn't been reversed, uh, you know, the targeting call hadn't been reversed. Uh, there are a lot of what ifs in that game as we've, we've written uh, plenty. But, you know, all in all, I will say this, that as heartbreaking as it was. I do think that it does change somewhat the narrative uh, for the offseason because it was so negative coming off the Michigan game. And even if they'd gone let's say, the, the Orange Bowl <clears throat> and won, it wouldn't have changed that. And so to go on toe-to-toe with Georgia and, and come within a missed field goal, even a long field goal of winning, does, I think, give more optimism for the offseason. I mean, obviously, C.J. Stroud and many others are going to be gone. But just the for the trajectory, of the program in terms of perception, I, I think that was good. But but Jim Knowles has a lot of questions and a big job ahead of him.
2: Yeah, I, I think the perception maybe within the Woody Hayes definitely may be changed. I think the final chapter is to be written after the national championship game. If you're an Ohio State fan, you're going to feel even better. Well, there's there's two ways to look at it. One. I don't think you want TCU to win, even if you want TCU to win, because Georgia. You want to, You want the team that beat you to win it all, and uh, because I think Bill, you said this, you know, during the game or after, it looked good for a national championship if you get past Georgia and you're playing yep. TCU. Now, who knows? There, you know, people said that in 2002, too, right? I had no chance in that game against Miami. So, really, it's no different today, TCU and Georgia. In fact, Georgia probably, uh, compared to that Miami team, that was supposedly the greatest Miami team in history, or one of them. I don't the think the year people before it was, that one was not considered quite as good. Oh, it was. It was. I mean, they, they lost had every, a lot of guys in that 2001 Miami team. Yeah, but they My. got a lot of guys back. When you look at the roster, anyhow, the point being that, um, you know, if TCU wins, Then maybe Ohio State, you're like, well, that wouldn't have been a cakewalk. So anyhow, right? There's, there's, you can look at this any way you want. You know, ten years from now, you're going to look back and say, my God, they had a 14 point lead twice in that game. Yeah, Yeah. that's (laughs) scoreboard. I mean, scoreboard is what history looks at. I mean who can tell you really what happened in a specific game from 30 years ago it's hard to do that but you know the final score so yeah in the short term they they did kind of prove themselves i'm not sure the toughness and the fight thing really kind of came to the fore. you know that was the big narrative all season to me it was more you know your passing game is nearly unstoppable but your defense can't stop anybody
0: yeah for all the talk about toughness and it's a a game one at the line of scrimmage and a a fight in the trenches. I think you look back on this 2022 football season for Ohio State and the Achilles heel was in the back end of the defense. It was the secondary. who was giving up explosive plays to two offenses that aren't really trying to to beat you through the air necessarily. They want to grind you up front in Michigan and Georgia and that was Ohio State's doing in this year when you write the obituary on the season. That's That's it right there. I I do want to jump back and piggyback on what Bill was saying as far as the the narrative of this game. Certainly there are no moral victories in Columbus. Uh, Ohio state is graded on a high, high curve, but I do think for the moment and in this moment, I think there's, they got back a lot of goodwill for the, for the program. I think Michigan, the loss to Michigan made a lot of people mad this one made people maybe feel a little more disappointed that the opportunity was close but the the team equipped themselves well they fought hard they look like a team that's look within a one or two shots of winning the national championship and when you have two good teams playing each other and you lose by a point it's bound to happen but the other side of the narrative too is the scoreboard is the scoreboard in in five ten years people aren't gonna really care all that much it's it's a team that ultimately didn't get the the job done and CJ Stroud is a quarterback who I think played well. We all saw it. I mean, he laid it all out there. But when when there's when a a, a kid in ten years goes to Wikipedia and looks up CJ Stroud's college career section, he's not going to have a playoff win. He's not going to have the Michigan game win, and that's that's unfortunate. But I think that just that's the that's the the disappointment of this one, as well as they played. It, it ultimately the results don't change.
2: And look what we're talking about, guys. I mean, this is this is Ohio State. Or in a way, you can step back and say, "Oh, you know, they they have nothing to hang their head." And they play, they prove some things, all true. But this is not Tulane we're talking about. This is Ohio State. You shouldn't have to talk about oh moral victories. I mean, this is a team that is should be where it is, and really should be winning when you look at. The resources, the recruiting, we we talked about this early in the season. There's really no reason they shouldn't win. Um, So, you know, there's two sides to every coin. And one is, yeah, you know, boy, they played with a lot of heart and, you know, proved some things after Michigan, true. Uh, It's also Ohio State, and you shouldn't have to. This isn't like, you know, again, some mid-level Big Ten team.
0: No, but the way they hung in with Georgia and I think that matters for the program moving forward. I don't think people necessarily feel good that they came within a point of Georgia, whoop-to-do, and all that. But the way they lost to Michigan, I think people were concerned of the trajectory of the program. It was headed in the downward way. Things were were bottoming out an offense that was supposed to be what this program is is built on. It's why you have Ryan Day as your your head coach, somebody who can really draw up and scheme with the best of them they were they didn't score a touchdown in the second half of that game. So it really felt they were headed in the wrong direction. I think this one, at least for, for most folks and, and most fans of the program, you can hold on to the belief that maybe better days could be ahead because of the way they played against Georgia and, and things are not falling sideways. I, I mean, I, I think there were a
1: lot of Ohio state fans who when Ohio state was matched against Georgia had a sense of dread. It was like, Oh my God, they're going to get their butts kicked. And this is going to be ugly. I mean, there was that sentiment. I don't know that too many people thought that Ohio State was going to be in it and and really in some ways control the game as much as they did. Yes, of course the bottom line is winning. And, of course, they're disappointed. And I'm not absolving especially the defense of that. I mean, it was very similar in certain ways to the Clemson game. I mean, you know, in that game, the defense had to make a stand in the last couple minutes. They didn't. Trevor Lawrence went right down the field on them. Wasn't a stripper was launch, right? Um, and then uh and then obviously on on Saturday, uh Stetson Bennett, five plays, I think it was, you know, 35 yarder and then then the touchdown. I mean, they had their chance. They they absolutely had their chance, and they didn't take advantage of it, you know. And a 50 yard field goal is a tough field goal, but Noah Ruggles did make a 48 yarder just before that. So it wasn't like, well, does he have the range? I mean, the 48 yarder cleared easily. Um, he just missed the kick. And, you know, you feel bad for him, and I hope is, you know, that Buckeye Nation doesn't do stupid stuff to Noah Ruggles. He missed a kick. He didn't commit a crime. I hope that he's not, you know, doesn't kind of have to go into some si- some silo because the fan uh, reaction is is that bad. I mean, you know, he, he tried. He missed a kick. It happens. So, you know <sighs> – I, I do think that there was a, there were a lot of people who thought Ohio State didn't deserve to be in the playoff and that they weren't worthy of it. And I think those are two different things. One is did they deserve to be in the playoff? Probably not. I mean, they they essentially choked in their last game. Um, but you need four teams, so in that sense, they deserved it because there wasn't any, anybody more deserving. Did they prove worthy of being in there? Absolutely. I mean, I think most people watched that game and thought that's probably the national championship game right there. Um, you know. I, Ohio State, for the most part, played great on offense, you know? And then think about who they had on the field the last drive. I mean, who who they had and who they didn't have. No Jackson Smith at but no Trevion Henderson, no Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, no Cade Stover. I mean, you're playing with a fourth string running back, uh, Down Hayden that started training, it was a fourth string running back. you talk about you talk about two con, uh, former walk-ons in uh Mitch Rossi and Xavier Johnson, and especially Johnson, he played a hell of a game. I mean, it says something about the way that those guys developed, that they you don't think of them as walk-ons. I mean, those are legitimate players. Um, so you know, you're going in there with with not much in terms of the players you thought you were going to have at the start of the year, and you're right there. That's what makes it more painful, is that you were that close.
2: Yeah, definitely from a macro level of really looking at it as one single game and who is favored Ohio state represented. Well, on the other side, this is a game of just like both sides of the coin. Right. And Bill wrote this has, this was, I talked to my brother who's a long time Ohio state fan. He said he knew with three minutes to go, this game was over and Georgia would win because Ohio state fans are preconditioned. Oh, there, there's a little bit of being like a Browns fan from back in the day. I mean, now <laughs> there's no hope for the Browns, but You just kind of, you know, you look at 79, Charles White, you look, I mean, there are just so many instances of, uh, that was the Rose Bowl game where USC beat Ohio State, and if you're old enough, there's so much scar tissue, and Ohio State has done this over and over, as Bill wrote, you know, since 68, you've got 2002 and 2014, and you're Ohio State, and you're an elite program, and you have two national championships, which is, uh, two One fewer than Clemson, for crying out loud, uh, since that time. So it, it's a tough pill to swallow. I, I think that when you talk about you know feeling good going into next season, I think within the walls, they proved to themselves that they could compete. Not that they doubted, but after the Michigan game, who knows? In terms of Buckeye Nation, I would say, yeah, you, you repped well against Georgia, I agree with Bill. A lot of people thought it would be a blowout and like look away. Too much carnage here. At the same time, look at what's lost going into next season. I mean, we talked this year. This was their year. Now, football's a funny game, and when you're least expected, maybe you can step forward. But this was the year to win it all. Next year, you lose C.J. Stroud, and that's the key. I would say against Georgia, you know, everyone talks about Ryan Day's creative play calling, and it was pretty good, but C.J. Stroud is why they stayed in that game, because he avoided the rush. That was the main reason it was close and why the offense looked good with C.J. Stroud. Not play calling, C.J. Stroud. He did things he hadn't shown. I heard so many people say, where's that been? The scrambling, the lowering the shoulder, the – just the the ability to evade the the rush and still you know make the throw, which he's always been pretty good at, honestly. But he's gone, man, and uh, we don't know what we're getting. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, it
1: was, I mean, I I'm guessing that Kyle McCord will be the guy. Devin Brown will also compete with him, and you know I don't think it's a done deal by any means. But I think Kyle McCord is is has the leg up for that job. He's a five star guy. I mean, he's gotten to show much? No, but I, I talked to him a media day. And I asked. I mean, obviously, he started last year against Akron, and Akron's done a good team. And you know, he was so-so in that game by you know any objective standard. He was just so-so. Uh, he said he's come, he's night and day different, as you would expect. He's been in the program for another year and a half, so uh, you know he's a five-star guy. He was he was a higher-rated recruit than Marvin Harrison Jr. So you know you're not getting chopped liver at quarterback for Ohio State. He has is he proven much? No, he hasn't. So we he has to prove it. But it's not like you go, they've got some two-star guy coming in. I mean, he, he, he's had two years in the program. He should be ready. Um, we'll see. There we a lot of questions about C.J. Stroud, too. And, and and the other thing is McCord played at an elite high school uh, program. So if anyone can be prepared, it, it should be him. I mean, again, C.J. Stroud is a very, very high bar to meet. Um, but Marvin Harris will be back. And assuming, I mean, Rob, Rob, you've had this thing where you kind of have this thing where you might just sit out and do a uh, Jamar Chase thing. I think Jamar Chase sat out because of COVID, not because. And and Parsons, Michael Parsons. Mike, and, Capri, and, yeah, those were COVID years. I haven't seen anybody do it in a non. They, they year. didn't get hurt too badly
2: in the draft. Let's just say that.
1: Or no, they didn't. Then Marvin Harris got you know that the hit to the head is certainly something you will be thinking about for a while. But right. Right. I fully expect. I mean, Marvin I Harris. Would, I would expect back. him back.
2: I think that's yeah. Just he's gonna
1: play. We can play with his high school teammate for one thing, probably. So. Um, yeah, you have him and you, and Mika Buka back. You've got these stud receivers coming in. You know Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams probably maybe probably Mayan Williams. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. You know he's got an NFL decision to make. Let's just talk about that, Joey, real quick. I mean, who are the who are the guys that had the decisions to make?
0: Yeah, uh, I don't know how much you guys want to get into this now. Or I still think we should be yeah. yeah let, let's revisit the a game briefly,
1: baby. but briefly.
0: Like, Mayan Williams, Luke Whippler, Matt Jones. Those are the guys. Uh, Tommy Eikenberg. I think, awesome. Tommy Eikenberg and Cade Silver feel like the big ones because if they get Tommy Eikenberg back, that's, that's a big deal for, for that defense. He's the quarterback. He, he's, the, he's the middle linebacker. He's the leading tackler. I, I think he played a, a really good game against Tulsa. Or not Tulsa. Um, I'm Tulsa. Thinking Kevin. I'm, thinking Kevin. I'm thinking about the other guy who's leaving, Kevin Wilson. Uh, <laughs> against Georgia uh, on, on Saturday night, obviously. But to me, to me, looking back, where do you guys think the game was? I mean, this is kind of felt a lot like Bill and I. We've talked about this. Felt a lot like 2019 Clemson, where you just had a lot of events in the game really go Ohio the other way for Ohio State. You yeah, have the, the Lathan Ransom play where he no- it looks like he knocks Brock Bowers out of bounds short of the first down marker. That's over overturned by the replay review. The The replay review overturns. Marvin Harrison, the call on Marvin Harrison, uh, which looked like a, a potential targeting, it was called targeting at first. That was over overturned. Lathan Ransom slip and coverage, a lot of things really went the other way. It, if Ohio State could have gotten one of those, which which was the straw that you think broke the camel's back?
1: I guess I think it was the Harrison one um, because it's two things. One, you lose you lose um, Harrison. That's the biggest, but you also lose a chance for a touchdown instead of a field goal. They had to kick a field goal right after that. It was a third down play. I'd also say that, you know, Kirby Smart getting that timeout in just before the fake punt was big. Um, you know, that Ohio State had that, they they converted it. And Kirby Smart had he noticed that Ohio State had a different alignment than they normally do on the punt and very wisely called timeout. You know, that was another big play. I mean, right, right there, it was split second. But the Harrison thing, I mean, he's the best receiver in college football. I don't know we didn't win a Bolitnikoff for some reason, but, I mean, it's Marvin Harrison. And so to not have him, especially the last drive, I mean, I thought about that. If you imagine on that last drive, you'd have Jackson Smith and Jigba, you know, that you can just throw a little curl to for five, six, seven yards on that first and, you know, first down at the 31 or 30 yard, you know, that's a different field goal. I mean, it's, it's – you can do the what if game like crazy in this game. I mean, not I don't think it's quite like Clemson because some of those calls in the Clemson game were just awful. I thought the Jordan Fuller thing, and you know, but the Harrison one is a big deal.
2: Yeah, I think the long the long pass, the touchdown pass. I think you got. I got to keep going back to defense again. If you want a specific thing, it's hard to argue against Harrison or the timeout. But Lathan Ransom slip, which in my opinion, if you look at it, he got turned the wrong way and he was beat anyhow. That just made it wide, wide open. I right. don't think he makes that. I don't think he makes the play, uh, whether he slips or not, honestly. It, it'd have been close. But you can look at that and say, force Georgia to go the length of the field. They started the 24, or you know, make them go the whole way. There's not enough time to come back. So I tag that to the defense because to me the defense lost the game. I wrote that we can get into Jim Knowles and and you know you know who's getting off the hook the the secondary coaches. <laughs> no one has even nope. mentioned. Yeah, no one's yeah. mentioned those guys. It's all Jim Knowles and I I, I. I blame myself too. It's like I didn't even mention them in my column that kind of called out Jim Knowles and the defense. Like what about the guys that are paid to you know, coach up and develop? those exact positions anyhow my that would be my specific thing the uh the set the bennett uh pass that went for uh six
0: yeah that felt like the game changer to me too and, and the question i would have if if we had enough time with with jim Knowles to to go over this sort of stuff but when or just somebody else who, who knows football better better than i do but when, when lathan ran, be, there'd be a lot of people who would uh, fit that description uh, but but when Lathan Ramson slips in coverage I mean how, how much in that those sort of plays do you put on the player versus the scheme is it the fault of of Lathan Ramson for slipping but he also slips and there's nobody bracketed over the top there's no right. there's no real safety help so it's a it's an all or nothing proposition there if, if if the player goofs up it's it's a big play or should your scheme take into account that a player could slip and and get beat that's that's the question I would have about that sort of play, but for whatever reason, the defense didn't step up in the moments that it, it needed to. And and that's really been Ohio State's bugaboo in the playoff. They gave up 52 points to Alabama, uh, 29 points two years ago against Clemson. Uh, they gave up 42 to Georgia. You're not going to – Kevin Wilson talked about it earlier in the week. You're not going to win college football playoff games 17, 17 to 13. You're not going to win in the 20s. It's probably going to be settled – Around thirty points, if not more. So I'm not really expecting Ohio State's defense to to beat Georgia thirty-eight twenty-four or or thirty-eight seventeen. I don't mean that by any stretch of the imagination, but they need those critical stops when it's all on the all on the line.
1: Yeah, the only time that Ohio State's defense stopped Georgia with any consistency was in the third quarter, and they did a really good job in the really third good quarter. job. I think they, mean, they zone. They played zone mostly. Eleven snaps for 15 yards at those three possessions, but remember in the first half the way that Georgia just went right through Ohio State's defense and the, on with the run. I mean, I think at one point they were averaging 13.9 yards per run. That's astounding. That's that's crazy. That's that's like high school stuff, and not even that I don't think. And so Knowles, to his credit, made adjustments at halftime. they played better the third quarter, and then. You know, obviously it fell apart in the fourth quarter. And and give credit to Stetson Bennett. I watched that touchdown, the replay of the touchdown pass, the last one. He kind of had to short arm it a little bit because he was getting some pressure. And he still put that right on the money. Um, Yeah, Sometimes you have to credit the opponent. And Georgia is obviously a worthy opponent. They're defending national champions for a reason. It's a really good team. Um, But you still got to – He's, I mean I, the, what Rob said about you know three minutes to go with his friend with three minutes to go he do have that feeling I mean I remember the, the Clemson game I thought well it's right on the defense and then it was the same thing right down the field and if anything they they were so bad that they gave Ohio State a chance because you figured Georgia would come down and score with no time left. Well, they left 55 seconds on the clock. And so you thought, well, maybe. And then when, when Stroud scrambled for 27 yards, you thought, oh, my God, they're going to pull it off, pull it off. And And, you know, unfortunately, they
2: didn't. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the last time Ohio State kind of made a play offensively to win a game late in a bowl game. They've done they've done it you know in regular season, but I Ooh. I think it was probably uh, against Arizona State in the Rose Bowl, whatever ninety seven ninety eight, whatever yeah. that was Rose
1: Bowl. Well, if you want to count the Zeke uh, run through the South in fourteen against Alabama, that was yeah, that was but that a they bad.
2: were yeah, but that was I'm talking about like a last second like yeah know, to pull, yeah to win it okay stuff that's happened to them. I, th- I thought it, I,
0: I thought it was going to be C.J. Stroud's scramble on that last drive where he goes off yeah, right. 27 yards and they get into field goal range and it looked like they need just a few more yards to, to really set up Noah Ruggles. I think that's – I know a lot of people have – you think about the final missed field goal, by the way. he's Noah Ruggles has never made a kick that far in his career. Uh, he's, he was 0 for 4 coming into the game on kicks of 50 yards or more. He made one from 48 yards earlier – and, and maybe you think, oh, it's only it's two two yards further back. But you're still – the amount of pressure you're putting on him to make that kick. And for for a range he's not really shown in his career, he's really, really accurate from inside 40. But you start pushing that range, I think that was a, a taller. they probably needed one more really play from that spot. And they tried.
1: They fun. did try. I mean, you know, they gave the ball to Dallin Hayden. He actually lost a yard. And so I think that they thought then – well, we better throw we got is our bread and butter. And you know, Georgia is tough to run against. And so we don't want to do that again. And we have to burn timeouts for sure if they do that. We had two timeouts on that drive. And so the the second down play was, you know, a decent a reasonable call. I think it was a slant, right? Was that to right. a Buka? Yeah, it was a slant. I, slant,
0: I think to a to a Buka yeah. or Fleming. Fleming. I, I forget.
1: Buka. Um I'll do the D V R review, by the way. Not today, but to it was, it was
0: to Xavier Johnson.
1: Okay. Uh yeah, you know, again, Xavier Johnson played a Terrific game. I have no problem with him being the target there, but it just didn't connect. And then the third down, he got pressure, and Stroud wisely threw it away. I mean, you cannot take a sack then. You obviously can't take a sack then. And so it wasn't like they just took a knee when they got to the thirty. They they did try to advance it, and they and they just it just didn't work.
2: You know, last thing we're talking to Steel Chambers. If you're trying to get into the psychology and the emotion of the players and the defense. Maybe it's telling, maybe it's not. But Steel Chambers afterwards asked, "You know what? What happened on the on the explosives? Because there were like ten, technically, right? Yeah, Depending on how you, how you define explosives, there were t- eight to ten to more. Uh, I think." Um, and he said, "It seemed like after we would give up a big play, our heads weren't really in it." And I don't know if that means they they were they, they kind of were you know disappointed and just weren't focused on the next play. He seemed to make it sound like that. They just weren't there mentally after giving up a big play. And that, that that would then allow like a five yard gain or a 10 yard gain or whatever. So I don't know what you do with that. That's 18 to 20 year olds. Um, But that was a little enlightening to me. And, And that go, if anything, maybe that goes back to the whole, you know, toughness issue and, and Bill's been talking about it all year it's not necessarily physical toughness but mental toughness and um, it's hard to say that they didn't have mental toughness in this game until you hear something like that and maybe that helps explain what's going on with the defense
0: yeah I, I think, think it's got to be dispiriting to, right. so often over and over to give up those right. those long gashes I'm sure if you're a player on that defense you when that happens it's like here we go again
1: yeah, exactly. um, I mean, it, it was Michigan ish, you know. I mean, it wasn't a huge, huge plays, but I don't know what's worse giving up a 60 yarder, you know, five, a few times a game or giving up a bunch of 20 yarders, you know. 20, to, I mean, there was the 176 yarder, the, the, the ransom one, but for the most part, they weren't that long, but it was consistent. I mean, especially the run game. I, that's that was probably the biggest surprise to me was that Ohio State. In the first half it was just a sip against the run. They couldn't do anything.
0: Ultimately, anything. it was the back end, I think, that broke down. But you're right. Yes. Early on, they yes. just got like, gashed up front. And then just looking at the – you go back and look at the stat sheet. Georgia had 11 passing plays of 15 – they had 11 passing plays of 15 yards or more. So, so 22 yards, 20, 17, 25, 47, 28, 17, 26, 76,
2: 15, 35. Do, now do Ohio and, State's – do Strouds. <laughs> yeah, something to be you know, something you said, Joey, it, you know, strikes me. If you look at the scoring in college football in the playoffs, I mean, Michigan, TCU, lots of points. Alabama, yeah. it's not that you are allowing lots of points because that's happening more and more. It's that sort of in those crucial moments, not being able to get the yeah. stop,
1: situational mm-hmm. yeah.
2: stop. Yeah, that's the maddening thing if you're an Ohio State fan if you're if you play if you're on the team like okay, give up a lot of yards, we're going to give up a lot of points, but we're going to knuckle down here, knuckle under and, and really get it done and that just ha- didn't happen against Michigan, didn't happen against Georgia and really guys, look at the last 2 years or the, the best teams they have not beaten the best teams. Oregon beat them. Michigan beat them last year. Michigan beat them this year. Georgia beat them. Yes, they beat Notre Dame. Notre Dame, not an incredible team. So maybe there's a little piece to keep an eye on. When are they going to really beat a top five team? That's a good you, point. That's a great point.
0: You're right about defense, though. It, it, it's not about points, Rob. I think it is about success and, and high leverage moments. Because you look at the teams that have won in the college football playoff, semifinal round before this year. The average the average team who won average 39 points a game. So you're just going to have a lot of points. And, and the narrative would have changed fast. If Ohio State gets a stop. When, when Georgia has the ball, three minutes to go, if Ohio State gets a stop there, that they, they win the game, the narrative changes really quickly. I mean, it would have been a, a defense that shut Georgia out in the third quarter, gave up one touchdown in, in the fourth quarter. Instead, they gave up two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. And that's the game. I, I mean, it, we were very close to, to to writing all sorts of stories about the halftime adjustments and, and shutting Georgia out yeah. in the third quarter. I mean, when you when you're thinking about potential stories you're writing during the game, that was the story I thought we'd be we'd be writing in, at the end of the third quarter. Instead, they give up the the two big the big play touchdown and that, that long drive for Georgia to seal it. But they they need I guess a stop when when you have to get a stop. There's no other way to put it really.
1: Yeah, and you know Jim Knowles when he took the job, yeah, you know, he we knew that it took him several years to get his defense at Oklahoma State where he wanted it. And he knew that he did not have that time at Ohio State. That he knew he was brought in for an instant fix, or at least a year one fix. It wasn't going to be instant, but it was going to be by the end of year 1 he would have it everything in place. So he understood and accepted that there wasn't kind of a grace period and this would be a learning curve. I mean, that's, that's why he was hired and it can't be considered anything, but a disappointment that it didn't happen. I mean, it doesn't matter that you held Rutgers and check or Indiana in check who cares. I mean, you know, that that's not going to matter. What matters is can you make the calls, the right calls and have the right, the defense ready in those moments. And it, and it didn't happen. That's not, I'm not one of these fire Jim Knowles people. I mean, that that's overreaction, but You know, that's that's the job that he was hired to do. And it may just be that even though he knew he had to fix it the first year, it's just not possible to do it in the first year the way he wants to. You know, you can say that you accept that that it's got to be done right away. It's another thing to actually be able to accomplish it. I mean, I don't you'd have to be inside Jim Knowles's head to know what he really thinks of the the players that he had and the the coaches he worked with and all the other stuff. But it, it didn't. It didn't happen
2: the way it was supposed to happen. That's right, and he's getting paid one point nine. Not that money is a factor, but money's a factor. Highest paid defensive coordinator. Um, it's just a tough. It's a tough go for Jim Knowles. <laughs> it's just. A, it was a tough game to blow. I think I come back to Europe. You led by fourteen points twice, and in the fifty-three bowl games that Ohio State has played, the largest lead they lost was sixteen against Clemson uh, a few years ago. And the next one was 13. And that only happened, I believe, once or twice. And you're up t- by 14 twice in this game and lose it. That That's t- that's tough to overcome.
0: I think my lasting takeaway from, from the game is you look at the way the offense played and it, it looked like Ryan Day still has it in a way where it felt like the second half against Michigan – I think a lot of the the concern and angst that were felt in Columbus was whether they had lost sort of that magic touch with the offense. Could he draw up that that game plan that just rips apart the the soul of a defense? And he did a, called a great game against Georgia in this one. And so it, I think you can leave if you're an Ohio State fan. You can leave with some comfort that that Ryan Day is still a big game play caller. Uh, the other side of the coin is the defense is still a work in progress, but at least maybe you're back to, to square one, uh, which was a question mark after Michigan, whether they had actually gotten in a worse position the way they were blown out in this game. So maybe you feel, hey, our offense is still one of the best in the country, can still perform well on an elite stage, and the defense is a little better than last year, but still a work in progress. I think that's where you're at and still not maybe a ton of, comfort because you ultimately didn't didn't pull out a, a win and and you're still not holding on to a national title or competing for a title in LA next week, but at least it's not turning in the wrong direction, which is I think where we were maybe a month ago.
2: Absolutely. I would say the two people who benefited the most from this game were Ryan Day and CJ Stroud. It's like there was a redemptive quality to what happened in this game. If you want to find a silver lining, if you want to find redemption uh, in the midst of defeat, you had Ryan Day, who, as you said, people were ready to run him out of town after the loss to Michigan, the second straight loss to Michigan, and he redeemed himself somewhat. I would argue, yeah, he called a good game, but I think it wasn't so much that Everybody's in love with Ryan Day now. It's just that Jim Knowles is like the is is the target. So the, the focus moved off Ryan Day onto Jim Knowles a little bit. So that said, I think Ryan Day can breathe a little sigh of relief if he needs to, that he's just not the, the total target here. As for CJ Stroud and Joey, you wrote this, um it was his bet. Top to bottom in terms of maybe maybe not yards or you know, as many touchdowns, but he showed something that Buckeye Nation wanted to see. There was a toughness, there was a moxie to use a, an old term, there was a ability to avoid the the rush, to lower the shoulder, to gain as as Bill said during the game, there's his Cardale Jones moment, the twenty-seven yarder. Um he showed something and I think that will leave a positive taste even those who kind of were down on him maybe for not being able to run were like you know this this, this kid was really good and I think he, he redeemed himself somewhat so those to me are the two guys that really kind of come out looking the best CJ and, and Ryan Day and they're kind of joined at the hip interestingly enough um you know quarterback coach not technically, of course, but the you know the head coach who really works closely with the quarterbacks I mean, and she and CJ Stroud
0: and, and CJ was really the first true Ryan Day quarterback because he was somebody Day identified in high school after he blew up on the Elite Eleven circuit in nineteen recruited him later that fall offered a scholarship brought him to Ohio State developed him for a year and then he became the starter whereas Fields transferred. And, and, and Haskins was and, and JT Barrett were guys who were were previously recruited before Ryan Day arrived as the, the quarterback's coach and offensive coordinator. So I think that's why they were so joined at the hip. I, I do think, Rob, what you're saying about C.J. Stroud leaving a positive taste in, in people's mouth, I think for a lot of his career, he didn't really feel like a full-on fan favorite, if you will, just because of the, the win-loss record in the Michigan game and, and everything and, and maybe not having that playoff stage up until – this last weekend. And I think that's going to win him a lot of, win a lot of people over in Columbus that maybe he hadn't before, but the, but the way he left it all out there, I think is was really impressive to watch.
2: Absolutely. The Midwest mindset of, you know, just play hard, play tough. That goes a long way in Ohio with Ohio football and, and all Ohio sports, Uh, you know, the C the, the, uh, the Blue Jackets, just to hijack this for a second, they've been terrible for a long time. And yet fans say, just show up and play hard and, and we'll respect you and we'll be happy with effort. So whether that's true or not, I don't know. But it goes to the mindset of Big Ten football, of Midwest football, work lunch pail, blue collar, you know, show us something. Don't be finesse, be force.
0: And, and I think the effort, you certainly cannot question what we saw from the Buckeyes Saturday night, the way they, they left it out there and and really gave Georgia everything they had. And I think that's that's one of the the lasting things that I'll come away with. Just the way they they went toe to toe with Georgia, they went they went ten rounds with the defending champ, and uh, scorecard ultimately reflected the uh, the other sideline. But I think overall something uh they, they showed something to me.
2: Yeah, it was a little bit of a rocky one. Jeez. They didn't win the game, but you know, they showed up. I would argue if you, if you want to argue the other side just to come full circle, comparing Ohio State to an underdog Rocky right. Right. It is kind of like, what are we saying there? Again, this is not some, oh, feel-good story. This is Ohio State football, so let's not forget that. It's a very, very high bar. They did play hard. They did play well in certain aspects, The defense is a question mark, and now it comes down to how do you fix that? That's for another podcast another day, but I'm not seeing a whole lot of change with the personnel that's there. So that's going to be an interesting topic to look forward to a year from.
0: Continuity is not nothing, I think, with this defense and, and these players because Jim Knowles was the third coordinator in four years, the secondary guys he was the third position coach really really the fourth position coach in, in four years because they had Jeff Halfley in 19 Kerry Combs in 20 Matt Barnes coached the secondary in 21 and then you had Tim Alton and Perry Eliano come in so I think there's something to be said for allowing these guys to be developed by the same staff and the same position coaches for a little bit moving forward but I think, we can get I into a lot of probably, that. We can get into a lot of that probably more as we preview the offseason ahead and talk about some other things that come, could uh come up on the on the horizon. But I think that that just about does it as we uh put a bow a little bit on the on the peach bowl, but certainly it'll be a game that'll be talked about for weeks and, and months to to come.
2: Yeah, and for Buckeye Nation, I don't know what the percentage of that will watch Georgia TCU. Um but it's a, it was a game of what, what ifs, and it didn't go Ohio State's way, but it was entertaining if you can remove yourself, the fan fandom, and just watch it as a fan of college football. It was a classic game, as was Michigan, uh, the Michigan game against TCU. There were two great games. The Big Ten came up short in both, but not for lack of trying.
0: Well, thanks, everybody, for, for coming on. Downloading, listening to us for this podcast for, for all season long. If you've been listening to us jabber about the, the Buckeyes and whoever else was on the, on the schedule. And if you subscribe to the dispatch, thank you as well. We've uh, enjoyed your support and, and thank you for, for reading us. It was a interesting and, and fun year to, to cover. And, and the last five weeks certainly provided their, their share of, of twists and, and turns and emotional swings. So as always, thanks for joining us and listening, and you'll hear from us more in the new year. Be sure and subscribe to the Buckeye Extra podcast in the iTunes
2: Store, the Google Play Store, or on Stitcher.